He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Tēnā koutou katoa, I'm Teresa Cowie and welcome to Insight. This week, who stands to win if New Zealand gets in on the business of cannabis? Business is booming in Canada and some US states where cannabis is no longer an offence. In December last year, the Misuse of Drugs Act here was amended to allow people with a terminal illness special dispensation to use the drug. It also changed the status of cannabidiol, or CBD, the non-hallucinogenic part of cannabis, so that it's no longer a controlled drug. With a referendum on whether to legalise cannabis for personal use set for 2020, I take a look at what some of the promises, pitfalls and potential for a cannabis sector in New Zealand might be. Have you got any organic ones? We have got, like for example, Odyssey yeah. is, is totally okay. organic. A lot of the French and the Spanish wines are organic. They just don't Seated among the vines in a courtyard at a Greyland bar, a sommelier is presenting wine executive Suzanne Kendrick with a fashionable, organic and natural wine. What else have we got? We've got the Pet Nat, but that's obviously natural and organic, but only available by the bottle because you can't really sell it by the glass because once you've opened it, you can't go to drink it. Yeah, Although those wines are delicious. Um, I'll, I'll just have that. But the Auckland-based head of global growth for the company Wine Searcher knows enough about wine to know the industry is under major threat of being disrupted by cannabis. I go to the US frequently with my job and I started noticing conferences like wine and weed and also of course I'm speaking to a number of um, wine producers and in the US you have an extremely crowded and difficult market for wine and people were just not selling wine as easily as they were. Um, There's a number of factors but one of the outcomes of those factors is that if you're not making enough money from wine then when something else comes along another crop that looks um, lucrative and um, it's going to grow well in your area, um, then, then you're going to open your eyes to it, and that's exactly what's happening. Suzanne Kendrick says vineyards are starting to repurpose land and skills they already have. So wine producers are either just planting cannabis on their current properties, or when I was there at one point, four large wineries had just sold to big tobacco companies to replant as cannabis. So... It was like, there's something going on, there's something happening here. There was a lot of noise happening, especially in the Napa, California. They call it the Emerald Triangle, this sort of area called Humboldt, which has always been known for weed from, you know, the 70s, but now it's all legitimised and it's all legal. So they had the right factors already there, lots of people with knowledge of how to grow cannabis. And then, um, you know, and basically wine growers are, in fact, farmers. So, you know, they really understand an agricultural product. As with the state, she says many New Zealand wineries were formed by enthusiastic and well-off baby boomers. For some, though, it was for the love of wine and not for the love of profit, and making money from wine has become a difficult business. Time to change tack. Okay, now, there's a lot of excitement here about your investment in Canopy. This is a first-mover advantage into uh, cannabis. And one of the big international players who's been buying up some of those struggling vanity vineyards is now setting its sights on the cannabis boom. In the U.S., it's not legal at the current time, but 
Obviously, uh, numerous states are legalizing it for recreational, so it's clear-cut that it's going to be a big market, and we think that it only makes sense to position ourselves to participate in that in the beverage. And then suddenly, Constellation Brands, who's the second largest wine producer in the world, and they own many, many, many wineries all over the world, including quite a lot here in New Zealand, they announced that they were going to put a four billion, and that's B for billion, not M for million, stake in a large cannabis producer in Canada. And that was after Canada had legalised. And suddenly $4 billion investment is a significant amount, <laughs> clearly. Um, but also they it became known that they were selling four vineyards, and, and not small ones, reasonable size ones. So... It was like, you know, the canary in the coal mine sort of moment for for me and for many people where it went, whoa, this really is a thing and this, you know, people really are moving. But she says it's not just the alcohol industry that's got a watching brief on cannabis, nor is it just the big booze companies like Constellation Brands. Owners of famous products like Corona and Closer to Home, Kim Crawford and Nobolo, that are hedging their bets on cannabis. People talk about the three sort of big forces coming into the cannabis industry and they talk about you know big alcohol big booze big pharma and big tobacco and she says with the giants lining up to take over new zealand businesses need to start getting real about the potential possibilities if they want to stand a chance of getting a stake in the game with a reputation for good food, good wine and good times, she says New Zealand has a lot to gain financially if it allows the making and selling of cannabis products and experiences. Lately, she says interest has grown from a number of New Zealand businesses wanting to find out more about what potential there might be if New Zealand softens its approach to cannabis use in the future. This past Waitangi Day, business owners used their day off to get down to cannabis. They met in Auckland for the first meeting of Cannabis New Zealand. Chris Morrison, co-founder of fair trade drinks company Karma Cola, is one business owner who's interested in finding out more. And the serial entrepreneur who runs his cola business out of offices in Auckland's Greylin is eyeing up the possibilities that might lie ahead although he sees a certain inevitability to big business determining any future cannabis industry in New Zealand. We've seen a number of companies positioning themselves and starting lobbying, etc. So it is uh, not that different than big, large alcohol companies. And often it is the alcohol companies that have been buying up smaller marijuana companies in Canada, etc. We've already seen that happen. I don't see any reason why that won't happen in New Zealand. I'd like to think that we would have a more inclusive approach to this. But traditionally it's big companies chase the money and uh, they lobby and position themselves to get the biggest rewards. But he's got a history of taking on the big guns like cola companies and doing it his way, which is organic, ethical and fair trade. He's also co-owner of All Good Organics and the ice cream company Little Island, amongst a string of other successful New Zealand companies. So he knows how to spot an opportunity. We're thinking about it a lot. I've just recently been in the States at the end of last year and CBD is, um, is everywhere, you know, like it's in gum and drinks and balms and so forth. So 
we would like to be a player in that because we think CBD has some real functional benefits and we're wanting to position ourselves as a healthier drink company and that's a good space to be in and certainly where the trend is at the moment. So what kind of products is he dreaming up at this stage? Well, it would be CBD drinks. So it could be a lemonade with CBD. And we would be positioning that as um, a relaxing drink. Um, It's good for sleeping, anxiety, uh, those sorts of issues. But he's cautious. He says if New Zealand does embark on loosening up its attitude to consuming cannabis products, he wants it done the right way. We would like to support uh, those companies that are growing hemp and marijuana products organically. That's very important to us. We, we only produce organic products, so we would like to support uh, holistic companies that grow organically, treat their workers well, have a good supply chain, and yes, yeah, su- support a small New Zealand business get into an interesting field. I'm Teresa Cowie and you're listening to an RNZ Insight programme exploring the potential for a cannabis industry in New Zealand. Morgan Fox is the Media Relations Director for the National Cannabis Industry Association of the United States. He believes New Zealand could learn from 10 years of experience built up there. Especially the hardest lessons learned about creating a business-friendly environment for smaller businesses, so they can grab hold of the opportunities too. I think that uh, one thing is to make sure that there is an open and competitive regulatory process in terms of the licensing for the people that are allowed to uh, produce and uh, sell these products so that there's uh, open competition and there's availability for small businesses to get involved. It's also very important not to make barriers that will prevent smaller businesses from being able to take advantage of it, like inordinately high licensing costs. Uh, arbitrary licensing caps that limit the number of businesses that can actually be involved in this industry. You know, various things like that that uh, can really stunt the growth of small businesses and limit competition. I don't know if there's an analogous situation in uh, New Zealand, but in the United States, I see this shaping out very much like the way that uh, the alcohol industry works, where you have some large companies that uh, do uh, appeal to a certain market, and then you have a large sort of craft market where uh, distinguishing consumers are looking for something that's uh, made by smaller businesses and has various qualities that uh, they're looking for that are represented by these larger businesses. Is um, big business necessarily a bad thing, though? Uh, not necessarily, uh, particularly if they are willing to bring their uh uh, lobbying money and expertise to bear on changing federal policy to open up the uh, the United States market and be able to uh, make us not only uh, to allow states to determine their own policies, but to uh, make the U.S. competitive on a global level. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out Podstock GW Pharma. It's actually a pharma stock. Lighting up today on reports the FDA could be on the verge of approving one of its marijuana-based drugs. The, the bottom line here is this is a very real industry. That's a global industry. It's probably $200 billion when you consider recreational, medical, wellness, lifestyle. Auckland businessman Mitch Cuevas is watching global developments. And to him, it looks like countries and states with similar values to New Zealand are following a similar legislative path. He sees a softening in the law here as only being a matter of time. 
The kind of natural progression that we're seeing around the world is the, the medical cannabis products come first because of the, the real need, especially around chronic pain, and then it kind of moves into a more consumer uh, consumer area, some of the THC products, the more kind of recreational side. Um, and that it's kind of a, it seems to be a bit of a natural progression if you look what's happened in the Canada and the States and other places like that. Um, and, and as it moves into the more consumer side, then you get the real global players, you know, Coca-Cola, Constellation brands looking at how can we incorporate some of these new ingredients, the THC, the CBD, into our existing portfolio so that we don't get left behind. He's a director of Ponsonby-based Nubu Pharmaceuticals. His company wants to produce organically grown, sustainable, medicinal cannabis products here in New Zealand as soon as the law allows. But he says if New Zealand businesses want an edge globally, they'll have to present the world market with something it can only get here. One of the main potentially really big opportunities for New Zealand is what unique genetics do we have around the marijuana that's grown here. We don't know for sure because you can't register the intellectual property yet of the genetic strains. Anecdotally, we have some amazingly strong cannabis, <laughs> so hopefully there are some really, really core, unique genetics which we can actually leverage into strong medical products and probably eventually consumer products. But the other, the other opportunity is how can we combine unique cannabis genetics with other unique New Zealand products, which we know have a um, potentially like a, a medical benefit, um, looking at like, uh, say, CBD plus manuka or horopedo or kawakawa things that we know have therapeutic benefits, how do we combine core New Zealand CBD with New Zealand genetics with some of those native ingredients to create a uniquely New Zealand product which can't be made anywhere else um, and that and create those products which we can export to the rest of the world, unique New Zealand intellectual property. And I guess that's kind of what excites me about it. A quick online scout of cannabis gardening websites yes, I'll be clearing my browser history ASAP, shows it can be a reasonably easy plant to grow. It's hardy and doesn't need a lot of water. And it's suited to the soil and climate of seemingly endless numbers of countries. For this reason, Mitch Cuevas is warning against companies going for the New Zealand default position of farming. He thinks growing will only work in the short term, because soon enough, everyone will be in on the game. Cannabis will become, uh, it'll become a commoditized growing like, like lettuce or something soon, but there, there, will, there, will, there will probably be unique genetics around it. Um, we just don't know yet because we haven't actually looked at the genetics around it, but growing cannabis is not long-term not going to be where a lot of the value is. But could this fast-moving industry just be a passing fad? The only place where I've seen this pace, something move this quickly, is with, with the kind of dot-com. So when the dot-com boom in the um, late 90s, early 2000s was happening, there was this pace of change. I remember when the, the search engines were developing and, and a lot of the, the online sales and online travel things, that was, that was developing so quickly. Everybody was going in. Um, and I think that that's kind of the, the feeling now. It's just like, wow, this is all happening so fast. We do have to be careful of a bubble um, because everybody's rushing in. And there's quite a lot of investment, but there's also real products and, and real value to people from a, both a health perspective and a, and a personal care perspective. So I think there's more, there's a stronger base below this industry growth than there was for the dot-com bubble. So, um, Where are we'll, we? we'll, let's walk down here. So we are now um, standing in, in, the, uh, f- in the front of what will be the Helios cultivation facility. So uh, this part of the building is a six and a half thousand square meter warehouse, and this entire 
space that we're standing in will be full of, of cannabis plants um, within the next couple of years. So, um, cannabis is nowhere to be seen in the mostly empty offices and the warehouse of this medicinal cannabis company in industrial East Tamaki. But its enthusiastic backers have big plans. So now we're here standing in the middle of the Helios cultivation facility uh, and what we have in front of us are the floor plans for the cultivation facility. And we'll be able to see here all the flower rooms, uh, the mother rooms, the veg rooms, uh, the clone rooms and the potting rooms and uh, behind us in this facility... Paul Manning is a co-founder and executive director of Helios, an Auckland biotech company poised to make the most of what business opportunities medicinal cannabis law change might bring. In his warehouse, which is currently stacked high with pallets of alcohol, he's leafing through floor plans. Despite the layers of plastic wrap around the pallets, there's still a morning-after-the-party whiff of booze in the air. Considering the potential threat cannabis might have on the alcohol industry, I can't help thinking there's a certain irony to him subletting the warehouse to a booze giant for storage while he plots the company's course. Helios is one of three New Zealand businesses that have been granted a licence to cultivate cannabis for research and development purposes. The majority of what will be rolling out um, the gates of Helios will be finished products. They'll look like things like sublingual drops, which are sometimes referred to as tinctures. Um, it will look like uh, vape pens. It will look like soft gel caps. Um, it might even look like transdermal patches. So we'll, we'll be able to manufacture across a, a wide range of different delivery mechanisms and, uh, and, a, and a wide range of different products all here from this facility. Um, it, it is, though, uh, possible that we'll also wholesale product out of here as well. So if we find demand, um, and once the legislation comes into effect in 2020, that will also open up the export market for, for companies like Helios. So um, from there, uh, we may well be able to bulk export oil um, to other countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm. And is the plan to sell it just in New Zealand or overseas? Um, we, our, our first priority is to serve um, patients in the domestic market, but we will absolutely be exporting as well. Um, the, the medicinal cannabis sector alone globally is estimated to be worth about $55 billion by 2025, um, and we think New Zealand companies should be playing a part in that world stage. Um, uh, the, we think there'll be a demand for New Zealand-grown products. Actually, um, Helios has, has just recently become the first New Zealand-grown certified producer in New Zealand through the Buy New Zealand Made campaign, and we intend to use our New Zealand provenance as, a, as a, one of the means of differentiating our products out there on the world stage. So, yeah, we will absolutely become a significant exporter from here, but priority number one is patients here in New Zealand. Like Nubu's Mitch Quavis, he believes a focus on growing the plant will be a race to the bottom a race that New Zealand can't win against countries like India that will be able to grow it much more cheaply. So why is he drawing up plans to grow indoors on an Auckland industrial estate? This setup is all about control and um, we're ultimately growing plants, yes, but we're growing them to GMP, which is good manufacturing practice standards, and we're ultimately growing them for production in therapeutics and medicines. So we have to have absolute control over, over every part of the process. While Helios wants to keep its products under its own roof, it also wants to get its hands on the intellectual property attached to valuable and unique plant strains. The types of cultivars that could set its products apart from the rest. 
The government is planning an amnesty programme where people who are growing illegally can come forward with cultivars they think might have the potential to become highly sought-after products. Helios is encouraging breeders to get in touch via its encrypted website to discuss opportunities for their possible special breed weed. Our call to growers was to say, get in touch, register your interest, tell us a little bit about what you might be able to contribute to the amnesty through Helios, and then as soon as we've drawn those plans and we have more information from the government, and when the amnesty starts, we can then engage with them, and um, if they have... um, cultivar that are, that are unique and, and, and fit what we need here at Helios, we can enter into a commercial arrangement with them. And you have a secure form on your website where people can contact you. Have you had much contact from people? Um, yeah, as of today we've had over 450 people register. And what can you tell me about the sorts of people and what they're saying who have contacted you? Yeah, um, it's, it's really an eclectic um, a bunch of people. Um, everything from you know, uh, growers who are probably more, um, maybe more novice, they've been in the, in the space for you know, a couple of years and, um, you know, and, and have some of the more what we might call sort of mainstream cultivars to, to offer. So these, these will be the ones that are grown commonly and are available from seed banks around the world, right through to very experienced growers that have been doing this you know, um, for, for decades. Some of them, um, uh, their families have been growing cannabis you know, for generations in New Zealand, um, and they have all sorts of interesting um, or potentially interesting cultivar that, that, that we'd like to try and explore. Um, and you know, cannabis has been bred and crossbred you know, over and over and over all over the world. Um, what we're really looking for in New Zealand are for unique cultivar, ones that have either adapted so that they're, they're, they're phenotype type expression is unique to perhaps the New Zealand environment, you know, so we might see something just due to being here in New Zealand that might be somewhat different to the rest of the world, or perhaps that, um, you know, somebody has created through, a, you know, an intensive breeding program um, that, that, that expresses different um, different properties, um, different kind of cannabinoid profiles, different terpene profiles, but that then brings the next challenge, which is how do we know, how does the grower know what he or she has and how do we know? So that means through the amnesty process we're going to need to also test independently uh, those strains. We're going to need to characterise them to actually understand what they are before we can really assess their value. Mm-hmm. You're crowdsourcing this knowledge. Uh, what's in it for the people who are writing to you though? Yeah, so for, for, for anybody that's, that's looking to, to provide genetics um, through the amnesty uh, into Helios, um, once we understand exactly what they've got, um, we, we will be able to enter into a commercial exchange with that grower. Um, exactly what that looks like will depend on how unique or special the strain is. Nubu and Helios are taking a leap into the medicinal cannabis market. But what about making products for recreational use? given New Zealand already has a thriving tourism and hospitality industry. In the tourist haven, weed-friendly state of Colorado, where recreational use is legal, business is booming for New Zealand expat and weed entrepreneur John Lord. We see uh, some 30,000 people a week, so uh, both patients and adult users that uh, come through the buildings, etc. You know, we um, have sales in excess of uh, 100 million. Hi, I'm Chelsea. I am the regional manager for LiveWell. We are located at 1941 West Evans Avenue in Denver. We are ADA accessible and we take cash. Uh, we have an ATM system in our lobby as well as a cashless ATM system in our bedrooms. 
In his 17 Live Well Enlightened Health stores, he sells skin creams, edibles like baked goods and chocolate bars, hash and even a range of products endorsed by a celebrity rapper. We are really proud to be the mothership of the Leaf Spice Snoop brand. We carry his flour, his edibles and his concentrates. And it's just I suppose we think of uh, cannabis products as either a sort of illicit product, um, maybe a bit of a hippie product or a, or a medicinal product. But you have um, some, you have celebrity endorser, don't you have Snoop Dogg as one of your influences? Has it become quite a glamorous industry? Glamorous? Well, you know, you have um, celebrity brands um, in you know, all sorts of products, be it everything from jeans today to I uh, used to license, um, you know, Mickey Mouse for baby product. So, you know, licensing is nothing new in the space. Um, I think what we're seeing more than sort of glamour now is day-to-day use and normalization of the product. Medicinal cannabis is being normalized in his stores, but concerns about the harm it can cause can't be ignored. So how much are New Zealand companies preparing to take the leap into the recreational side of the business? Helios won't operate in, in recreational cannabis. I think we will keep a watching brief, and I think as, as laws potentially change, you know, whether there is an opportunity for an expansion business from Helios, you know, of course we would consider that, but um, that's not our core strategy. But he says a separate subsidiary is possible. Mitch Quavis from biotech company Nubu is not focused on recreational cannabis for now. At, at the moment, we're really just focused on the, the medicinal side. Um, but, you know, as the law changes and, if, and we have the referendum, the, the consumer products um, is definitely something we'll have, we'll have a look at just because as a company, you kind of you need to make sure that you're, you're, you're doing the best thing for the shareholders. So, yeah, the consumer side is something we'll, we'll have a look at. But right now, we're just focused on the medicine, medical side. How much of an eye do you have to keep on that? Oh, there's so many things happening so fast. Um, I think you need to, you know, normally you kind of review a strategy um, once a year or every half year. The strategies in this industry you really need to review almost every month to make sure you're in line because things are happening so fast. So many new products are getting launched around the world in terms of CBD products, THC products, combination products, um, skin care, personal care, uh, cookie dough, mints, gummy bears. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. They say that working in cannabis is like dog years and that um, the technology moves really quickly. Time seems to go past at an extraordinary pace. The last 12 months of my life feel like they've evaporated in three months. But for those wanting to rush into the green rush here, they'll have to put the brakes on until the public decide the future of cannabis use in next year's referendum. That programme was written and presented by me, Teresa Cowie, with additional reporting by Susan Strongman. If you'd like to podcast some more long-form journalism, you can head to our page at rnz.co.nz slash insight or go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, Insight looks at rheumatic fever that's on the rise once again, especially in the Pacific community. I'm Teresa Cowie and that's all from Insight for today. Join us again next time.